Hopefully your team is finding success in the red zone this season because it can make a huge difference in any game. That idea of getting points every time you get there is important, but even more important, if you can get more touchdowns than field goals, that's going to make a huge difference. The red zone requires some thoughts and adjustments on both sides of the ball for the offense. Vertical space is decreasing and causes them to adjust their route concepts. They look for formations and routes that help them get free of tight coverage. In the run game, they look to add hats, especially as a defense commits more to the run. The defense must adjust and stay out of situations where the offense is picking off defenders and getting a wide receiver into the open. The defense needs to be able to react quickly and commit to stopping the run. Both sides of the ball must have a plan and execute if they want to win in this part of the field. So today we're going to share some adjustments for each side of the ball. Let's start with the offense. As vertical space diminishes, that means there's less of those vertical threats for a defense. They tend to be able to man up a little bit more. And because they man up, they usually start to send more pressure. Uh, Disguise certainly is still important in this area of the field. So one great way to identify that certainly is to use motion to see if it's going to get somebody to move out with that motion player or move across with that motion player. One of the concepts that I always like to use, and I saw it several times on the high school, college, and pro level this weekend, was to motion that back out and see if a linebacker would bump out with him. Now, typically this is in RPO for us. We're going to look inside to see if that linebacker bumps out. Now we have that advantage of a hat on a hat or even a plus one if that linebacker moves with that screen. So what you're looking to do out on the perimeter is to have your receivers block. Uh, Typically, we would put three receivers out there. Uh, We could put a tight end into the boundary if we wanted to or another split receiver. I usually like to put a tight end over there and allow us to run some of our schemes. Either way, though, What you're looking for is, do you have that screen? Did they not move out with him, and now you have a hat on a hat on the perimeter with the running back in space? So that's one way to defeat it. And I think a lot of teams there, you could use really whatever scheme you have, but power and counter certainly are things that a lot of teams like to use in that area. When you're looking at this, though, probably one of the biggest things you'll see is that aggressive apex player on the screen. That outside linebacker is going to cause some trouble when he aggressively runs through the block of the receiver and blows up that screen to the running back. So a couple ways you could adjust to that. Number one, use a bigger body in this area. As I said before, the vertical space is decreasing. And if you want to get a better matchup, maybe use a tight end or a bigger receiver there. Number two is you can adjust and put in a little play action off of this swing screen where you're going to get the the blocking you need inside with Uh, six blockers, right? Include that tight end is what I would do. And the ability then to really throw a quick pass into that void. So when you see that guy who's attacking, attacking, he's maybe blowing things up where that's not as effective for you, a great answer would be to use that action to get that guy to trigger and attack. You want your guy to come out stalk and then get to the outside where you should be running your other guys off. Usually, we do this with maybe a number two. You could do it with a three. 
Uh, it's a longer way to run. Maybe that guy isn't going to get there. I like it a little bit more with a number two. You could clear with that outside guy running a post. And what this really becomes then is a little bit of a wheel off of that stock block and then get off of that guy and get to the outside, right? Look at that screen for the quarterback and then throw the ball in the hole. Now, with a, a guy running off there, you know, he could transition into a block or if he's cleared that area, you should have a lot of room to run and that play might score. I have some video of that play in the show notes from Tim Zetz, who at the time was the offensive coordinator at Austin P. He talked about this one on the virtual summit that I held uh, way back uh, at the beginning of, of the shutdown. And he's now with the Green Bay Packers as an offensive assistant. But again, we'll illustrate that one and show you that one in the show notes. Be sure to check that out at coachandcoordinator.com. The next adjustment is to look at what you're going to do versus those zero high safeties. At some point, as your offense nears the goal line, most defenses will jump into zero high or straight man defense. And it makes it tougher because they send pressure and have tight coverage. I like to use empty in these situations to clean things up for the quarterback. Again, if it's one of those where we have to throw the football, I think empty can help here. Now, usually that means you're going to get a hat for a hat and probably they're sending somebody hot. But what you need to do then is build in all of your routes or most of your routes that can be hit on the last step of the drop or be thrown hot. Uh, Typically one we like to use would be uh, a spacing concept to one side, our three receiver side. We would, or you know, a lot of people call it snag. We called it spacing and, and added a corner to it with the way we set it up. But it's that snag route where you have the corner, you have somebody coming in over the ball, and you have somebody running to the flat. Every single one of those plays can be thrown on the last step of the drop or sooner. Again, you want to look for for whatever matchup you have or leverage coming off of that. On the other side, you could. Pair, again, some quick game in there. Uh, It could be uh, the quick slants. You know, the main thing that you're going to look for is we like to treat that as a read away from Mike situation. So we look at that Mike linebacker. If he's blitzing, we know we're throwing to the inside to that that spacing route, that snag route that's going to come inside. Now, typically, we told our guy, you can stay on the run. Where you would sit down normally in zone coverage, you could stay on the run with this one. The point being, though, is that you have options for the quarterback to throw to very quickly, and you should be able to to get a matchup that you like. Now, I think that needs to be drilled. You certainly want to run this a lot in practice before you would do it in a game. Your quarterback especially needs to get used to pulling the trigger on those throws and has to understand where the pressure is coming from. He, He is responsible for that sixth guy. So something to think about there. But I like that adjustment uh, in a simple situation like this. I think the other thing you could look at here is some kind of a rhythm throw. Now, it's going to have to be shortened down depending on where you're at. Uh, You might have to shorten that that normal post to more of a glance post or shorten the corner stem to a quick corner. Uh, But whatever you might have there, I think a good option is to go uh, and look at something that would be touchdown to checkdown a concept or a navigation tag that Dan Gonzalez likes to use. The idea is that quarterback on the last step of his drop, if he likes it, can throw uh, that on rhythm, throw the advantage route, which is what Dan calls it, or again, it's going to be that corner, that post, even a go route, something that 
Uh, you have that defender isolated with no help over the top. Again, we're talking about like zero high safeties here. And if he doesn't like that, be able to throw to a check down like a back swinging out of the backfield. You should at least have that leverage there on a mic. Or if the mic came, that guy should be uh, freed up or at least have gone through some traffic and have some space to do something, right? So that's another possibility or adjustment there to build into your game plan to defeat those kinds of things. The thing we've been emphasizing in this area is pressure. And typically when you scout a team, you're going to see at some point that changes. It varies for, for everyone. It might be, you know, for one team, it might be the 15. Another team, it might be the 7. But figure out where that area is. And you know when you get into those situations, then you're going to do things that help you account for that pressure. Certainly uh, using the quarterback as a runner is going to help here. But also using zone blocking schemes are going to help. Zone done right and drilled over and over. If zone is a thing you do, you know, you're stepping to an area. And so all that movement can be picked up by guys having eyes and, and stepping to their area and taking what comes to them. The same holds true for pass protection. It's not an area where you want to man up your pass protection. You want to look at things that even give you a full slide. Uh, I know that typically you know, we would get a mismatch maybe in size between our running back and a defensive end or edge player that's that's coming. So a full slide could be difficult, but think about how you can personnel that up. Maybe you get into an 11 personnel with your tight end off the ball and he can pick up that edge rusher and now you still have your full slide. You could do that with you know him picking up something on that side or everybody sliding away and him treating it more like a split zone situation to create that pocket there. But now you have six hats in this situation with everybody responsible for a gap. You don't have to worry about that movement as much, but that would be a good adjustment in this area. Another great adjustment in this area is to use play action. We talked about that vertical space decreasing. We also talked about defenders being a lot quicker to trigger on that run. So maybe you're still seeing those two high safeties in these situations. They may be more aggressive. What can you do with play action to get them to trigger and open up some of that space, right? When you're they're dropping four still in coverage, in a quarter's coverage against some kind of vertical concept, uh, it's really going to make for tight windows because there's not necessarily that room over the top. You're going to have to hit that uh, a lot sooner, which, you know, again, tightens down those windows. So think about what you can do with play action in these situations, whether that's drop back play action or getting your quarterback on the move. Uh, with either something like a, a roll pass or a, a bootleg or, or naked, I think are very effective right there. The other thing I saw that was very effective for Oregon this past weekend against Ohio State was getting their tight end open on an RPO. They were using a zone read RPO with a tight end corner. Uh, in the past, Coach Moorhead has used this out of a three-by-one spread set where he's condensed the split of the split end. Typically, I think he's, he'd like to use a tight end body or a bigger body in there to run the corner, but that guy will go inside uh, wherever he's at, if, whether he's at the tight end or at, as a condensed receiver. He's going to go inside like he's going to block that linebacker on a zone read, and then he's going to go to the corner route. Coach likes it because it creates two two-on-ones. And you end up with a situation where your quarterback is out on the edge 
and that defender really is caught. Is he going to stay deep and, and allow the quarterback to run, or is he going to come up and cover the quarterback, in which case you dump the ball over the top? And we saw this used at least twice in the game against Ohio State and the upset that they had. Very effective. I'm going to put a video of that one in the show notes as well. Let's flip over to the defensive side of the ball. So we've been talking about how at some point the defense is going to go into a man coverage, most likely. One of the things I see constantly, especially as we look at the high school level, is defenders getting on the same level in their alignment. They are uh, primed to be picked or rubbed in those situations. The first thing you need to do by alignment to be able to defeat that, to be able to move through all the traffic is to get your guys on different levels. So a lot of times you'll see this done like in a bunch situation or compressed set, closing those receivers down. And if your defenders line up across the board, all three together, even two together, you're going to have the opportunity that those guys are going to run you right into each other. So the way to defeat that just by a simple alignment is to make sure You have three guys over there, they're on three different levels. Now, it doesn't have to be a huge distance between them, right? A couple yards, two or three yards will be the difference where your guy is going to be able to get through that and go make a play on that ball. Now, obviously, guy backed off is is going to have a little bit more cushion. Uh, So you got to think about where you want to place that guy and who you want that guy to be. Maybe it's a guy who can close it a little bit more uh, versus that guy you want to be up and impress. This next adjustment is one that I like. Western Michigan likes to play a lot of too high defense. So when they get into this area, they don't jump out of it. They look for adjustments within their coverage. So I'm going to let this one uh, from, so I'm going to let coach Marvin Klesador talk about this one. We took this one from the Lawrence first and goal clinic where he's talking about an adjustment that he calls moose. First, coverage adjustment I want to look at, all right, and this is something that we, we've done here and I've done it at previous places as well, all right, whatever you want to call this, this is what we call moose. Now, for us, and as you look at the screen, all right, what moose is to us, all right, it's a cover two look with two high safeties, all right, corners playing the flat, all right, with a little bit of a different technique playing fade to flat, and I'll get into that in a second. All right. The two outside linebackers, Sam and your will, being your low wall players on the number two receiving threat, all right, and actually bringing in Mike or a fifth man in pressure. All right. And two things with this defense. All right. So we're looking at a two deep, four under look, bringing five in pressure. Now, again, the way you bring your fifth guy in pressure could vary depending on what your, how your front is aligned. All right, but for us, we primarily use a bench front, all right, where we put the three to the boundary, all right, the nose shade to the field, all right, we like to rock that guy into the opposite A gap and bring the mic through the B gap. All right, now, just to give you a little bit of clarity on this, all right, when we run this, all right, we like to run this from the 12-yard line, all right, so not the high red, but the loose red, or closer going in. So from the 12-yard line to the four-yard line is a great area to run uh, this coverage adjustment. Again, and I'll go over the de- in detail more what it is. Now, 
understanding how it's run, all right? When we say fade to flat for the corners, all right, what that essentially means is the corners are playing fade on the number one receivers, all right? So if number one receivers run a fade, the corners have that. They have that man-to-man. If the number one receiver does not run a fade, then the corner, like a true cover two corner would do, is turn into a flat defender. All right, from a technique standpoint, that corner's not, you know, doing a physical hard funnel like a normal cover two corner would do in the field. All right, that corner is actually taking read steps backwards, and I'll get to the film here in a second to show you guys what that looked like. All right, but what that corner's doing, all right, he's taking two to three read steps backwards to ensure that there isn't a fade route being ran. All right, if there is a fade route being ran, he's going to zone turn, and he's going to play that receiver man-to-man and play the fade ball. All right, the reason why we do that, the fade-to-flat technique, is to free up both safeties as seam defenders. All right, both safeties, instead of your normal cover two technique, where those guys are expanding for width, off the hashes, all right? Those guys are both aligned anywhere. And again, your alignment could change based on where the ball is and how close it is to the goal line, all right? But as a base, all right, the safeties are aligned at 10 yards depth, all right? Two yards inside a detached receiver, all right? Or two yards outside the tight end for the weak safety or the boundary safety. Now that safety, just so you guys understand, those guys are protecting the seam. So they're not expanding for width because they have the corners playing the fade routes of the number one receiver. All right, both safeties are pedaling, slow pedaling, because again, you're in the red zone. You don't want those guys speed pedaling out of the back of the end zone. All right, they're slow pedaling, reading number two for a vertical seam. If the number two receiving threat, as we have to the field here with the uh, slot receiver, if he runs the seam, all right, that strong safety or field safety is responsible for that same throw. If the tight end on the weak side of the formation runs a vertical seam, the boundary safety or weak safety is responsible for that same throw. All right, now that being said, all right, they will have underneath help from both linebackers. All right, the Will and the Sam linebacker are what we call low wall defenders. What that means is their responsibility is they cannot let those, num- they, those number two receiving threats go inside them. So again, we're walling off the initial inside release by number two with the outside linebackers, force that tight end or force that slot receiver over the top of the backers so that the safeties can then play them. We mentioned the condensed splits before. Offenses like to do it. It creates space for them. It creates the ability to get across a formation quickly and maybe lose a defender through traffic or by some uh, well-thought-out rubs that are going to run people into each other but still remain legal. Uh, But when you look at what teams like to do against this, you could play it straight man or you could play a bracket on this, which allows you to do some things uh, a little bit more to avoid those situations where you're going to end up getting bumped off of your coverage and you don't you can account for some of these switches as well. Uh, this is another one that was discussed at the Lawrence First and Goal Clinic. Uh, this one by Ole Miss defensive coordinator Chris Partridge. So I'm going to let him talk about that one here. Let's hit some condensed stuff. So now they condense the, the, uh, the splits down from the receivers, right? So we need to have some tools in our toolbox to play condensed splits, okay? What I'm really going to hit here is combo and clamp for you guys, okay? Because we'll run out of time after that. But 
So combo, really, it's what is it? It's a three over two concept, two low, one high. Okay. In brackets, safety is going to stay high, right? And then whoever is the two players underneath, it could be the mic, could be the star, could be the dime, could be the will, the corner is going to play the two underneath guys, right? So safety plays over the top, combo, combo. You want to use it when the threats are within four yards of each other. Okay. So you see the picture here, the star has the first inside break. The corner has the first outside break. The safety's on top. He slides to which the first break goes to, okay? Because he knows that, let's say the A here goes inside, the star's taking the A, while him and the corner now are bracketing the X, okay? Let's say the star goes outside, the corner takes the A. I mean, the A goes outside, the corner takes the A. The safety's got to slide to that break because his double now comes from the inside, okay? This is a rep deal. Okay, this is something that you need to make sure you rep or walk through and show them over and over again. Okay, and um, but it's a really good deal. It's really good, um, really good against condensed splits. And we really have two combo and clamp that we run. Whether you are on offense or on defense, I think one of the biggest things you need to do to be successful in this area is practice it enough. Now, some of this, maybe you could have done a better job at installing within red zone situations in camp. I know we all try to go through our install, perfect things, and sometimes we don't get into that situational stuff uh, enough. I always make a note to probably look at how we can get more of that. But think about ways you can work the red zone within your practice week. We always like to dedicate a team period to this. Typically for uh, us, it was on the second practice, second full practice of the week. So at the college level, that was on a Wednesday we had our team period, but the other area where we worked this was in seven on seven. And we would do a couple things here. We would certainly call all of our concepts that we liked in that area. We get the scout team playing the different things we expected to see. But we also wanted to create some scramble drills in here as well. And I mentioned how we would do scramble drills uh, a couple episodes ago, uh, but I'll review right here very quickly. Basically, I'm taking our quarterback and I'm giving him directions in the pocket and then telling him when to go and release and get on the run. So uh, he would get certain movements and we would label all of our gap escapes as an A, A, B, or C. A D was one where he was on the run. So I might tell him A, B, D. He would look at me. I would point a direction right or left and he would shuffle uh, up in the pocket. I point a direction right or left and he would shuffle to the right or to the left, and then I would show where he needed to get out. So maybe it was a C gap or a B gap where he had to step up even more, or a D gap where he's running towards the sideline. And on that one, we told him always face the sideline. We want you to simulate a situation where you are not able to get your feels, uh, shoulders turned upfield. You're going to have to just extend that arm and work on throwing with extension at the target. Uh, but regardless, the idea was. It, it simulated that breaking down of the pocket. He had to move in there and then get on the run. Our receivers then would have to get into their scramble rules, but now they're working it in a condensed area. So something to think about adding to your practice. I think that's the biggest thing. Whatever you're going to do, make sure your players learn the plan for that area. Understand those are the things that you're going to execute in the red zone. I think putting together drives in those team periods, simulating those drives where you're starting in the high red zone, working towards closer towards the goal line, getting into those goal line situations is going to allow your players to understand this is what we like in this area.
We'll continue on with our adjustment series throughout the season. Good luck this week. Check out all we're doing on coachingcoordinator.com and follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski.